The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure that you're subscribed to our show. And for all of you on YouTube, hit the bell so you can be informed of all upcoming shows. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of the Lathia Bible Fellowship's online podcast network of shows called the VRM. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about ABF and our local church in Portland, Oregon. And now that all of that is said, I'm Pastor Josh, the senior pastor over at ABF, and your co-host for this show, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. This is Pastor Monty, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Josh. Hello. And we are going to be covering a number of topics today, uh, starting out uh, with the Christ Factor. But before we do that, a quick administrative note. Next uh, next week, uh, we will not be here because uh, uh, I will be out of town. Um, so we are coming up onto our... Uh, we've got four more truth times after... This week, and uh, we are coming close to our summer schedule. Um, so, but I will be out of town next week. So, with that said, let's uh, take a look at Colossians uh, chap- uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 16 in the Christ Factor. The Apostle Paul enters into a, a uh, interesting portion of Scripture now as he begins to deal with the legality of those uh, who he is uh, who he has been dealing with, where there there uh, there seems to be those that want to be almost like Judaizer, not quite, but want to uh, place rules upon those who might. Uh, have access to this uh, special knowledge that is uh, known in uh, in the pursuit of Gnosticism. And he completely destroys the idea of Gnosticism, noting that as believers we are under the blood of Christ and there is no special knowledge that is needed uh, in our relationship with Christ. Um, and he talks about the fact that Christ has um, canceled any debt that we might have, uh, that we are not condemned under him, and that he has taken it all away on the cross. And he disarmed, therefore, the powers and authorities, uh, and uh, we, are, we are free in him. And that is, the, that is the power that Satan has over uh, humanity, is that we are uh, indebted uh, through our sin and cannot overcome that. Uh, now look at verse uh, chapter 2, verse 16, where he says, Therefore, do not let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink uh, with regard uh, to a religious festival, uh, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come, the reality, however, is found in Christ. So do not anybody who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen, where they are puffed up, 
with idle notions by their unspiritual minds. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews and grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have, uh, which um, have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. So let's stop there. That's kind of a mouthful. Let's stop there and let's go back and take a look at that. It's really quite simple. He's basically saying that in Christ, you have freedom from these rules that are put into place uh, and that people would use in order to uh, govern over you. Now, these rules that he's talking about here are rules, really, he's talking about it in the sense that, um, that these are connected to your spirituality and that if you don't do these things uh, if you don't observe a particular festival if you if you don't uh, uh, you know observe a particular day if you eat certain things if you don't eat certain things that your relationship with god is in question and your spirituality is in question he's saying uh, basically that's uh, that's bovine excrement right there it's not uh, it's not applicable to the believer who is set free in Christ from all those things. You gonna add anything? Yeah, I mean it's helpful given what Paul's dealing with in terms of Gnosticism and in terms of uh, um, Judaizing, right? Because on the one hand, you have you had the Gnostics who were sort of all about secret knowledge and acting a specific way in order to to um, release themselves from the environment they're in. Right. And they're kind of one end of the spectrum. And now you have this other end of the spectrum um, that deals with the Judaizing side of things where it's like you have to you have to eat or drink or celebrate certain festivals and do things a certain way. And so it like creates like a whole spectrum um, that's being dealt with in Colossians. It like really kind of lays the field of Christ-centered, Christ alone, um, and really faith and grace alone. But with that said, the question that I would have, just from a pastoral element, is then how to navigate the few. There are a few. Like there's mostly gray in terms of what we can do as believers according to the scripture, believe it or not. But um, there are a few like prohibitions and sure. there are a few things that we are. Uh, so there's a few things that we are forbidden to do and there are a few things that are commands. And so I, I don't think that this is saying there are no commands or prohibitions. So how would you navigate that? Well, I think, first of all, I'd navigate that by by recognizing, as you said, and, and I like the way uh, you state that probably because that's uh, how you've heard me state it in the past. Perhaps um, the the scripture is has limited black and whites, do and don't do, and lots of gray, and the gray has to do with our sensitivity to the work of the Holy Spirit uh, within our lives. So the Apostle Paul in in the book of Romans says that you know uh, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We in Christ we are complete. And nothing we do or don't do can separate us from his love. But there are certain things within Scripture that when Scripture does talk about these things, we need to pay attention. And we need to make sure that those, that those things are, are observed, number one, because those who participate in certain acts habitually um, demonstrate that they are not part of the body, and, the, and there are consequences to be held. Um, you know, um, my wife and I were talking the other day on the way to church about, about uh, for example, the issue of uh, homosexuality and, and the fact that the, the current media mood is that regardless of the program that you watch, 
uh, on television, the syndicated programs, you know. Right. There needs uh, to be representation. There, well, there's, there's, there's a. It used to be subtle. Now it's just overt. Right. That they're trying to make homosexuality and lesbianism a uh, a normal part of society. Yeah. And you can't watch a program without there being some homosexual character drama thrown into the main character line to normalize that. How do we believe? How do we as as believers approach that? Well, you know, there have been a, a long amount of individuals, for example, who have said that you know, uh, I can be a uh, a homosexual and still be a Christian. Right. You know, I can still go because God loves everybody. It's the gay Christian movement. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and so what we need to recognize is from a scriptural standpoint. All of those things that are laid out in Scripture with definite prohibitions have, have significant consequence attached to them. But from God's view, Scripture teaches that sin is sin. We, see, we like to see sin in variations and degrees, but the reality of it is, is that the, the sin of homosexuality or lasciviousness is is no more grievous from God's standpoint than a gossiper or or a thief or an adulterer or a fornicator all of those all of those individuals are all are all uh, uh, going to reap the consequence of their sin within varying degrees mm-hmm. so when you claim to be a disciple of Christ what you're saying is is you've died to self and each one of those that are black and whites in scripture are are there as a as as a uh, an affront to say it is an affront to god for believers to uh, participate in these things it damages uh, their um, their their life in the in the church and it glorifies self. And where is, where is self? Self is dead. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot claim to be a disciple of Christ and habitually practice these things. But for those things that are not mentioned in Scripture um, that can possibly lead to things, those are gray areas. So there are some people, when I was growing up in the church, there are some people who would say, "Well, you can't, you can't dance. Christians are not allowed to dance. Why? Because when you dance with a, a partner, and you get close to that that male or female, and feelings are stirred, and that can lead to whatever. So let's just you know, so that's prohibited. You can't dance. It's because it's because the pastor's son got into a car wreck in a small town." <laughs> or or you can't uh, or you can't read from you know anything but the the King, King James Jamie. version yeah. Bible or you you can't you can't read scripture from you know from uh uh media you right, have to right. read it in a hard copy you know right. and and if you're if you're really pious you're going to have the red letter version <laughs> right so so you can see you know cuz Jesus when he spoke those those letters were hot. They were flaming. Right. And so, <laughs> so. And Jesus spoke King James. That's yes, he did. Yes. <laughs> Thus saith. Right. So, so the so for the for the disciple of Christ, it's learning that we go back to Scripture to get guidance and ask those very basic questions: Is what I'm going to participate in? going to bring glory to God, is it glorifying God or is it glorifying self and the nature of self? And that's what is to guide me. Yeah, I think that I think that there's a lot of emphasis put on desire um, and feelings as as the guide for things. And I oh, think yeah, that absolutely. This, this passage in particular is 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 saying that 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 is not not only not appropriate but the whole spectrum of it is inappropriate cuz when we're talking about it we're talking specifically about um 
uh, wow, my mind is just blanking right now. Um, we're talking specifically about works, right? That's right. Essentially, yes. That's really what's being talked about is this concept of works, and Paul is trying to point out that works don't save you any more than um, than a non-works philosophy if it, if it isn't founded in Christ. Anything that's not founded in grace is a works philosophy. Right. And so that whole spectrum is there, whether it's the Gnostic hedonism or whether it's the uh, um, Judaism, right? That whole everything there is is works-based. And it does have a lot to do with allegiance and what your allegiance is um, and whether you think of Christ as the reality for you as as the measuring rod as as the as the canon for your idea of how you should behave and i think the issue there like you bring up homosexuality um i think the issue there is that in those cases what you have is in in that particular sin you have a culture that is choosing to define itself based upon its urges, right, right? Right. And then there's this question of, um, well, you see, God gave me urges. Um, and we say that God gave urges because those urges are natural in the sense that the, a person didn't necessarily come to have those urges. Now, we can argue that point. Um, I, think that, I, I think that we can argue that point, uh, but it's, it's a pretty moot point. Because the scripture is really clear that sin is born from desire. Right. And so just because a desire is present does not mean that it is from God. Uh, and just because, we, just because we have it to begin with doesn't mean it's from God. On top of that, we also have to remember that our nature, the nature that desires things, is inherently sinful. Yeah, it's corrupted by sin because of the fall. Right. So whether a person has a desire that is sinful does not mean that it is the intended order of things. One could easily say from a theological standpoint that the desire to be in a homosexual relationship, um, even though it is natural to a person, is a part of sin nature. Uh, because A, God prohibits it, and B, because there is no such thing as a non-sinful nature uh, there's no such no, none of us as human beings are as God created us to be right and and so the and and so what happens is is that when you become a disciple of Christ when you repent of your sin when you are baptized when you're raised to walk a new creation sin is dead self is dead and whatever it is that you have a natural inclination to um, is uh, is now to be dead, and your inclination is only that to be that you glorify God. Well, and we put a lot of emphasis on the things that God prohibits, but the truth is there also in terms of the thing that God in terms of the things that God works through. Okay, so this is true in terms of family, for instance. Yeah, yeah, like that's, absolutely. That's a that's a valuable thing. Family, even going down to the to the uh, the marriage relationship, uh, the heterosexual, heteronormative marriage relationship that is God-ordained between a man and a woman, as Christ says, right? So even that is a positive thing, but even that has a sin nature to it. And that itself is to be put to death in light of Christ. And Christ, I mean, he says it really starkly, like you have to hate your mother, for instance, it's not saying, and practically, the same man who says you have to hate your mother when he's asked about allegiances is the same man who, on his deathbed, says, you know, take care of my mother. Yeah, this is right. True. So he's the same man who says uh, that they'll know that you are a Christian by the way you love each other. Um, obviously, the doctrine there isn't that we shouldn't have love. The doctrine there is that when you have allegiance, the allegiance is to God. It's not to your old nature, and it's not to your urges or desires. And for some reason in this generation, there's this need and want to have this conversation, this endless conversation 
about whether those desires make things legitimate. And I think that that's a, a bit of a red herring. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and what happens then, what has happened historically um, inside of the church is the church leaders, rather than, rather than teaching the um, intricacy of what is being shared by the Apostle Paul here, many church leaders uh, lend themselves uh, to, uh, to a, uh, an issue of power and subjugation. So, you know, uh, they, they see the prohibition of certain actions as, as a position of power to say, you, you have to do this or you have to do that. And if you don't, then your spirituality is in question. Now, we don't have time to go on into it here, but if you look at the, the history of the church yeah. and, and how the church even dealt with uh, nations uh, in regard to this struggle between the spiritual and the, uh, and the temporal. So, you know, what we're seeing here by the Apostle Paul is to give us understanding that our our life in Christ is way deeper than just following a bunch of rules and that nobody is to your spirituality is not in question whether you do or don't do a particular thing or observe or eat a particular thing um, it is what is your relationship with Christ and is he central in everything that you seek to do and we'll end this conversation on this today with um, just the understanding that when you come to Christ and you're a disciple of Christ and you're now seeking to glorify God, all of those things that, that uh, you say came naturally and that you can't help yourself, there are people that have a predilection towards uh, gossip. They just can't help themselves. There are people that are, are, are master thieves. Mm -hmm. They just can't help themselves. People who really can't help themselves, they, they're, it's called kleptomania. Um, they, you know, the people who have a, uh, a, just know how to smooth talk the ladies and, to, and, and sleep with whoever the, they can get in bed with. Those natural predilections, including lascivious behavior and homosexuality, those things that are natural, as a, as a disciple of Christ, all of those things are, are by the Holy Spirit to be redefined right. and put in the perspective of what God's original design was and what he would have for us as his church. And in some cases, that means that those things are going to be removed completely. Yes. In a lot of cases, it means those things are going, well, in every case, so in some cases, gone. In every case, transformed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, we're going to end uh, this uh, part of uh, looking at Colossians uh, with that, and let's talk a little bit about relationships. So when we deal with, we've been dealing, of course, with the relationships, and we've actually uh, spent quite a bit of time um, on the marital relationship in particular and dealing with um, the relationship that exists between husband and wife. And here, here's what I'd like to just end this section on as we talk about the, the relationship between husband and wife uh, before we move on to um, our other sections for today. That, that um, the, there are mechanisms that you can use to help improve your relationship with your spouse obviously. And you need to work on those types of things. But remember, first and foremost, your relationship with your spouse as a disciple of Christ means that there are, you know, while God presents uh, roles for how it is that we interact with each other, there are elements that are there that are to be um, consistently observed. And one of those has to do with, for example, that uh, each, each of us is in subjection to the other according to um, how it is that we live for, for one another. So I don't, my, I, my role in my relationship my, with my wife is, is to love her and not seek to dominate her 
um, but to be submissive to the Holy Spirit and how I work with her. And she, in turn, is to be submissive uh, to the role that God has placed me in. And that's what creates harmony within the relationship. There's a give and take there that I, that is necessary and sometimes hard to achieve. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I think about that. Just in terms of um, the use of subject and submission in the same breath. Well, let me. I mean, help, where's your problem? Because that's what's clearly what Scripture says. Even in well, in, Scripture says that we're supposed to be submissive to each other. It yes. doesn't say that we're supposed to be subject to each other. Subject is 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 ranking. Well, okay. Forgive me for the use of the word subject. Oh well, I just what, I want to be clear. Yeah, what I, be, I what I, I really mean is 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 what you stated earlier that we are to be in submission to one another. Right, because because so, there are distinct roles in the relationship that are subject to each other, and those roles are to, and I stated that those roles are to be observed because God has placed them there. Right. Um, but, so, but if we're so like, I'm I'm just thinking how this plays out in my relationship with my wife. Oh, okay. I. I, I'm thinking about it. I'm not ever subject to her in my, in, in my relationship with my wife. I'm not ever subject to her. I, I am to submit to her in her fulfillment of the roles that God has given her. Right. Right. Um, so there's, there's some things, um, that are agreed upon by us. And there are some things that are, um, uh, prescribed by God. Right. So like, for instance, there's nothing in scripture that says that women can't work outside of the home. In fact, the Proverbs 31 woman actually does. Um, but uh, for some reason in Christian culture, there's this idea that women can't work outside the home. I don't know why. Um, I've never really studied that. Probably because of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, my could guess. be. Um, but and and the responsibility towards... towards uh the bringing up the children and 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 that we'll see the rear yeah the rearing aspect. of the rearing of children is definitely a biblical edict but the working inside the home or not working outside the home is not a biblical edict no i i agree i agree. it's it's but it's by historically i believe it's an extrapolation by uh, people who want to be in control, right? They use it to to subjugate, right? Yes, yes. So, like the the point I was making is, there are certain things that are that that are prescribed, and and other things that are described, and other things that are imported. And in terms of like my relationship with my wife, like uh, because of my role in the family, my responsibility is always going to uh supersede hers when in decision making no matter what my responsibility though to god is to not um overlord her in a way that makes it hard for her to do her responsibility so that means because i'm being submissive to her when she for instance is um you know, rearing the children, like taking a responsibility to like to being a keeper of the home, essentially when she's doing that, my responsibility is to let her do that, to let her manage, to not micromanage her. Right. Um, even though technically I have the final say, according to scripture, um, I have the final, the final responsibility falls on me. Some people might not like that. The final say versus responsibility. We can get into that, but, um, yeah, I think that there's a way to be submissive to each other without subjugating each other. And and I agree with that. I mean, you've obviously observed it as you were growing up. Um, my wife doesn't subjugate me in any way, and neither do I her. Um, when it comes to decision-making, she her responsibility is to give me her take on things. Yeah. And my responsibility is to listen to those and take them into consideration and make a decision as it affects as it affects the family. Maybe I don't like the word subjugate because I think it it does have a negative connotation to it. Yeah, could be. But the truth is is that by the nature of the relationship, your wife is subject to you. Yes. You are to be submissive to her equally. It's like the rhythm of relationship, but you're not subject to her in the relationship. 
Right, and and you can tell just by the discussion that uh, Pastor Josh and I are having that it it becomes a complex issue. It, it yeah, it, by it, nature it's, it's complex. It's a complex issue. It's one that takes practice and working through. Um, but as disciples in Christ, what is our overall goal? Our overall goal should always be, particularly in relationships, our overall goal should be to glorify Christ through how it is that we live. So when we go to Scripture, we go to Scripture to gain some understanding of how it is that we work through uh, this complex relationship, particularly between the husband and wife, because there is the nature of submission that is there. And I know some people just hate that word submission, but but it's important to understand that the, the concept of submission runs through the entirety of Scripture, particularly in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. He clearly made it clear that he was in submission to the will of the Father. Now, he also made it clear that God consisted of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in relationship. Right. But the reality of it is he understood his role just as he understood the role of the Father and the role of the Holy Spirit, and he was submissive to that in how it is that he approached the things that he needed to do. Right. He was equal. Yes. But submissive and subject to yes, yes he subjected himself to the to the role of to the role of the father he subjected himself to the person of the father in the trinity and he did that willingly uh, for example gethsemane yeah yeah and as i pointed out in my easter sermon my resurrection sermon which you can uh view uh, abf pdx um that is a direct that's directly converse to the way that man subjected himself to God in Eden as well. There, there is a direct relationship to that, and there is a direct correlation also to Eve and uh, the curse that comes afterwards where she does not want to subject herself to Adam. So there is... This is... The, the nature of the relationship that we're supposed to have in following Christ is one of being subject with a spirit of submission. That is not the same thing as a, a top down subjugation or like where the master in the, in terms of role is um, overlording in a negative way. Um, not managing, but like uh, overlording bullying essentially. That's not the same thing, but then be from a bottom up role, a willingness and a trust for the uh, outworking of the person who's in charge. And that's what a large portion of it is, a trust that this person has my best interest, this person's going to take care of me, this person knows what's best. Um, oftentimes, that is the, that's where the relationships break down in terms of this, is that two people have come into a relationship and... Uh, either the guy or the girl um, doesn't believe at some point that they can right. trust the person's best interest right. uh, for them, or their their either their capacity, um, their their uh, their favor, their uh, agency. You know, they don't trust that the other person has the right intent for them. That's where a lot of the submission, subjugation conversation like really happens. And I'm thinking about, you know, in my relationship with my wife, that's where we have managed to be successful is that even if we don't like where the other person's coming from, we have a common understanding that the that even if the person is being just totally like if I really believe that the decisions that Michelle is making or the things that she's saying to me, um, I just hate them. You know, I, I have just like a, a profound disgust for that. Like I would not behave that way. The thing that I assume into the relationship is that she thinks that that is not just what's best, but what will actually benefit me in the end. Right. And that's, you know, that's a hard thing to think 
It, well, it's a hard thing. Yeah, it's a hard thing to send. Sometimes a hard thing to hear. Well, when the other person... Because guys, we don't like to hear that to begin with. <laughs> yeah, when the other person seems like they're being mean to you, and they're like, I'm not being mean. I think I'm being kind. Right, exactly. You know, like the term kind it, it means useful. It doesn't mean like mushy or like feeling good. It means useful, which means sometimes that if you're abrasive, you need someone to be abrasive with you. Well, remember that, that and the thing that, that many believers have difficulty with is we have this... Uh, culturally mushy understanding of what love means. But when you look at the New Testament, and particularly the use for the word uh, agape, which we love to throw out there and say that, oh, that's true love, that's pure. If you look at the actual definition, it means that your actions towards the person that it's being directed towards is, is uh, pure and for their benefit. Right, and that's uh, sometimes that means you got to have the hard conversation and say, "This is what I really believe." Well, and and because people are finite, um, you have to accept that there's limitations to another person's understanding of your benefit. Right, and sometimes they're going to be sloppy in how the in how they execute their plan for your. A lot of marriages break down because people go scorched earth on each other and they, they're not sure what's going on. And so they, they instead of um, leaning into communication and trying to understand where the other person's coming from and being vulnerable themselves and understanding that maybe they don't understand everything, they like try to attack the other person. They say, I'm just going to do whatever I want to. Right? But, but when you step aside and you say, you know what? I'm going to, I don't like what you're doing. I think that that's even dumb, but I'm going to let you make the decision and, and I'm going to try my best to support you and to not tell you, I told you so. (laughs) When I turn out to be right. Yeah. When I turn out (laughs) to be right, (laughs) it's a lot harder at that point when like, and that happens, that happens all the time in my relationship with, with Michelle. Um, all the time i don't know if i'd say all the time but it's happened many times in our history of almost 20 years it's been we we counted we we counted the other day it's we've been together for 17 years um but in that time it's happened enough that i can tell you i hate that feeling (laughs) i cannot stand when she puts me in that position like it's really hard for me then to uh to act upon my desires because all of a sudden I now have the full weight of yeah. my, uh, you know, like if I do this, if I make this move, I'm the only person who's going to answer for it because yeah. she has stepped aside and she's no longer carrying the weight anymore. Yeah. And she's saying, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to willingly step aside and I'm going to even support you in the process. So please don't screw up. Yeah, you know, yeah. and now all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, am I about to screw up? Yeah, and that and that's what and that's what should drive us as men. That should drive us to our knees in prayer, asking for wisdom to make the right decision. Um, and and so that's so that's how that's how that works. Hey, if you if you uh, let's close out this section by by doing this, um, I would encourage you to go to. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and in Ephesians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul is giving household instructions for believers, he starts out in verse 21 saying what? What we've been saying. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right. See, and then he goes into the discussion of how or that submission is supposed to look between husband and wife. So, the, the the relationship that exists between husbands and wife is a complicated one. And we've only touched the surface on some things that we think will be helpful to you. Next, not next week because we won't be here, but the week after, we're going to start looking at relationships now outside of the familial unit. We have been looking at relationships uh, within the familial unit 
um, uh, the last uh, couple months. And now we're going to begin to go outside of that to explore what Scripture has to say in regard to those relationships. Let's move on and let's go into uh, what is my take. Well, the biggest thing that has happened this past week, and it is just a firestorm right now, the biggest thing that has happened uh, this past week is that uh, somebody, nobody knows who yet, but they're investigating it, somebody leaked the, uh, the, the likely decision of the Supreme Court in regard to Roe versus Wade. That is way bigger than what I hoped you were not going to say, which was that somebody was abusing somebody in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard relationship. No, <laughs> you know the 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 Johnny Depp uh, Heard relationship has just gotten weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, not even going to go there. We'll probably talk about it on Truth or uh, on Culture Insanity. Yeah, 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 and that's where it belongs. Um, but this, <laughs> this is, this is, uh, it, it is believed. So here's the background. Uh, Roe versus Wade has been admitted by even liberals. For example, Ruth Ginsburg, um, stated that, that her belief was that it was poor law. And it it was uh, it was done at a time when we didn't have the knowledge we had about about we didn't have uh, for example sonograms and we couldn't wait. See. Ginsburg stated that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, there are many justices who believe that it was just poor law, and that eventually it she's would be, like, oh yeah, she's the the bastion of liberality. Yeah, interesting. In, in fact, uh, the uh, group that supposedly aligns with her is partially responsible for stirring up this hornet's nest uh, by um, they doxed the Supreme Court justices who were all uh, conservatives. And they're really been, recently. Yes, they yes. doxed them. Yeah, they've been they've been protesting the last two days uh, at their homes in front of their homes. Oh yeah, I did read that. That's so, a type of that's talk about aggression and like safety for our our people. Oh yeah, no, it smacks on a number of levels. Not a good thing. But so the the paper that that uh, Alita was the author of the paper, and the 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 paper basically took the position that the court would overturn uh, this fifty year old um, precedence that was set with uh, Roe versus Wade. Now the problem is, is that. Um, what is what is happening according to the paper? So just foundation wise, so that my our listeners can understand. Foundation wise, what we're not it's not saying that abortion will no longer be allowed. Right. It's saying that the decision for whether an abortion will be allowed or not will go back to the Does states. Does not belong to the government. That's yeah. right. The states will be responsible to make that decision and to put the parameters as to how it's practiced. And currently, there are 70, no, seven, there are 37. 70 states. I, no, I, I almost, I caught myself. <laughs> there are 37 states currently that have uh, very narrow parameters around how um, abortion is to be dealt with. Yeah. Um, Not Oregon, though. No, no, Oregon's very liberal. Um, yeah. But, but so... So what's happening then is that there's, um, it is believed that the reason this was leaked uh, is because the, the Democratic Party, under the leadership of Joe Biden, has nothing to hang its hat on uh, for the upcoming uh, November elections, the midterm elections, and what is being predicted is that it is going to be a red slaughter. And red slaughter is Republican, right? Yeah, red is Republican, blue is Democrat. Have we ever seen a red slaughter? Not to the degree that they're predicting. Besides the red wedding in Game of Thrones. And the the, the reason the reason for that is because I don't care what subject you want to take, whether it's uh 
whether it's um, uh, inflation, which is the reason why we're paying so much high prices for everything, that falls squarely on the shoulder of the policies of the Biden administration. Um, the immigration issue right. with allowing whoever and whatever from all over the world to enter into our country unrestricted. Um, you know, the, the war in Afghanistan. There is not a single thing and not a single accomplishment that the Biden administration can hang its hat on. What they want, so what, they, so what it is believed by the commentators is that this was leaked, which has never happened before uh, precedent-wise with the, the Supreme Court. They're very tight-lipped. Um, uh, it is believed that um, this was leaked for the purpose of riling up the base uh, so that a fight could uh, happen over this. So what we have happen now is we have the left, Biden supporters, the Democrats, uh, people who support abortion, pro-choice, they are doing things like I just alluded to, to Josh. They are doxing. The, and doxing means that they, uh, most of my audience knows, but doxing means that they basically release the revealing, addresses. Yeah, revealing personal information. Of where the Supreme Court justices live, and many of them have had to go into hiding and seclusion for their own protection. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty nasty stuff. They're uh, rioting in certain places. For example, here in Portland, there was some rioting that was going on over I the mean, weekend. When is there not? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's another subject entirely. Um, I feel like it hasn't stopped since Trump was elected. And currently, currently, right now, uh, yesterday, the Congress, the House of Representatives, passed a, a uh, law, what they hope to be a law. They passed a bill that will be before the Senate tomorrow in which they're trying to codify the provisions of Roe versus Wade. In mm. other words, they're trying to make it a law. Yeah. Now, Jay Sekulow uh, has already stated that if that happens, Jay Sekulow and his group are currently doing just as much lobbying as the uh, lefts are uh, to senators and what have you. But they have already put into place uh, the necessary lawsuits to be filed uh, if to create an it, injunction. Well, yes, because the because it is not in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. It is not in the Constitution for those of the, you out there who are sympathetic to the idea of abortion. I don't know why you would be, but but uh, if you are sympathetic to the idea of abortion, um, let me tell you that one of the lies that has been perpetrated for the last 50 years is that it's a constitutional right of a woman uh, to control her body. And let me explain to you that it is not. Legally, it is not a constitutional right. Well, even in... And Jay Sekulow is, is prepared. If, if the Senate votes... Uh, and remember, this, this, the, currently the Senate is a very, very, very thin margin, a one-person margin uh, in regard to whether something passes or not. And there's some hanky-panky going on with, you know, uh, do we allow the filibuster or we don't allow the filibuster? And they kind of control their own voting as to how they do things. So it is potentially a possibility that they could get this through. And if they get it through then a lawsuit is going to be filed that it's uh, it's uh, unconstitutional. Um, it's it's quite a firestorm going on right oh, now. We, we have to be, I just want to go back to what you said about women controlling their own body. We have to be careful about even how we say that because, first of all, it's not men or women, so it's not just a woman thing about women controlling their own body. And secondly, that's not, the issue isn't about control of one's body in the Constitution. So even that, I feel like, um, allows them to frame the conversation, you know? They have been framing the conversation in one form or another. This, I mean, that's not my words, Josh. That's their words. Well, no, you said, you said they do not have the right 
to control their own body. According to the Constitution, they do not. Yeah, except for that, that utilizes their framing, and then it paints a target, like paints an unnecessary target on what you're saying, which is not true. You're, you see what I'm saying? That's fine. You can say it uh, however you. Next up, Pastor Monty says women can't control their own body. That's, that's not what that's, that's not what I said. That's but I want to make it clear like we have to be we have to be careful with how we say things. First of all, the argument is not about women controlling their own body in the constitution. That's not the nature of the argument just like the for instance don't say gay bill isn't actually about don't say gay. Yeah, yeah. And then secondly, the what the constitution or secondly in that is that it's about people and what people have the right to do as citizens of America. And then on top of it, uh, it is then about what is in the law. So it's like that even addressing it on that framework needs to be dealt with. Sure. And we don't even begin to get into then the issues having to do with, um, which is where predominantly the, the church and pro-life people stand is that the, uh, the, the, the fetus, which is inside of the womb, is a living uh, entity, and and there are variations on abortion all the way up to late-term abortions, which basically seek to destroy that life. And pro-lifers are saying that um, that life is sacred, it comes about because of God, and that we do not have the right to destroy and murder uh, those uh, innocent uh, babies. Another human. Yeah, essentially, yes. Um, so there's now now the the extrapolation of the fight that's going on then is that the uh, the church, um, the the Roman Catholic Church, uh, evangelical churches, fundamental churches uh, throughout the country are also under attack. Sure. Because it is the church, Christianity basically stands in the way of these who believe. And and uh, let me end this section with this. Uh, again, I'm just saying that this is what's going on right now. It really should be a matter of prayer. But the this is what we're going to see as we come into this tumultuous time that we're facing in the end times as we work towards the end times. These people who are pro-choice and who believe that abortion should be allowed for whatever, they approach this with religiosity. It is a religion to them. And they believe because it is a religion to them that anything that they do, the end justifies the means. And they will do anything, lie, cheat, steal, whatever, in order to bring about their cause. And and that's kind of what's going on with what we see happening today. Yeah, if you go back and look at scripture, you can find. Um, I think it's in Thessalonians. I think it's in First Thessalonians. I could be wrong, um, but it talks about uh, one of the signs of the times being um, a lack of like parental love. In fact, it's really yeah. the only place that 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 term, that Greek term, is used for that type of love because there's the four ways that right. were commonly used. It's, you know, agape and uh, uh, phileo and eros and storge, right? Right, and storge is the only used... Storge is only used negatively right. in the scripture. Um, storge is parental love, right? Yes. And it says uh, as a sign of the times, as a sign of the end times, that there will be a storge or a lack of parental love as as a as an indicator of what's to come so yeah pretty and interesting I, and pastor josh and i haven't really gotten into this i mean it's a it's a much broader discussion and if if people would like we could go from a, a theological biblical position of how to treat this issue of abortion in another setting uh, but the reality of it is is that this the the uh, for me personally, it goes back to the the responsibility of how individuals use their giftedness in regard to their sexuality, and and the uh, responsibility that is there in how you conduct yourself, and clearly the idea that you can 
have sex however you want and then uh, not want to deal with the consequences of that producing a life is irresponsible and uh, and like I said, I, I, we can't go into the depth of it here, but that's that's kind of where I come from. There's uh, it's actually from Second Timothy. Uh, it says you should Second Timothy chapter three. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. If you go back to the Greek, the term there for, I think it's the unloving term, I'd have to look at. No natural love. Yeah, is is that concept of a lack of uh, storge, a lack of parental love between them. And that's really profound. Um, It actually harkens back to... um, Moloch worship. Yeah. And yeah. God has very, very choice words for Israel as they said that God, as they ascribed God to the worship of Moloch and the way that they would worship Moloch, uh, which was this like fish Inf- God. Infanticide, right? Was, yeah, it was infanticide. Yeah. They would heat up this statue and then they would place their babies on the statue that was heated and watch their babies burn. And then they would say that that was God and God's... Um, God has choice words for Israel and condemns them saying, you know, like basically how dare you say that this is me? I would never call for that. And and it's part it's part of um extreme judgment that fell on the nation of Israel because of because of that. And you have these people with their shout their abortion campaigns and so on and so forth um that are essentially doing the same thing. They're sacrificing their children to the God of self. Um, yeah. You know, that's, I mean, you think about what worship of an idol is. It's sacrificing things like your money, so on and so forth, so that you can get what you want, so you can live a convenient life and have the riches that you want. There's really no difference in that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what's happening right now. It's certainly an issue of prayer. And uh, we would just encourage you to uh, be mindful of that and also be mindful to uh, watch yourself and uh, be aware of your of what's going on around you. Let's close out our time today with what's up with that. Um, it's destroyed. Their Are furniture. swallows valuable? No. Oh. No. I mean, they're a part of the ecosystem. No, 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 no. I mean, do they have monetary value? Because, no, you know, no. that could they could sell them. <laughs> uh, they, here's another question. They just want them big, out of their house. How big are swallows? Well, they're not that big. They're small birds. So my two questions, or my three questions, are they valuable? How big are swallows? And do they taste like chicken? Uh, you would have to eat five <laughs> or six of them in order to enjoy anything. I right. don't know what they taste like. They're a little smaller than a robin. Okay, that's pretty small. Yeah, they're pretty small. That's like the size of a drumstick. This poor couple, their house was destroyed. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Is it, has that happened in other places? No, no. Why did they fly down the chimney? I don't know, but definitely I'll bet they put some type of a cap or close the damper or something. Yeah. You know, so oh. it doesn't happen again. Oh, man, that's rough. Uh, Want to make a shout out to our... Um, to our uh, nutritionists here at the church, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a new cereal on on the market. Uh, it's called uh, Tropicana Crunch. Like and the juice, Tropicana the juice. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a honey almond cereal, and it's designed specifically to be eaten with your orange juice, not your milk. Yeah, interesting. Oh man. Just the thought of it makes me sick at my stomach. <laughs> the, the talk about sugar, sugar, sugar. Oh, I know. It's like that's even more sugary than you want to feed your kids a healthy breakfast. Don't do that. Wow. Yeah. 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 But that's but that's what they're marketing. I'll have to see yeah. what she thinks about that. Tropicana one. Crunch. There you. Go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we'll end our, um, our what's up with that with this. Do you know that currently there's, uh, so one of the things which is going on that we haven't really talked about, but I'll just throw it in there 
because it's really a what's up with that, is that part of the inflation and part of the war going on in the Ukraine and all the stuff that's going on, one of the things that the Biden administration has been toting is a possibility is that there will be food shortages. Hmm. And currently, there is a sh- <laughs> and we try to provide helpful and interesting resources for the church local and at large if you have enjoyed this service or you want to uh contribute to us remember to like subscribe share our podcast um you can check all that stuff out at abfpdx.org take a second to do that uh so that we can share new content to you we share new content on tuesdays however we are not going to be able to share new content this next tuesday because pastor monty's taking a needed vacation i assume maybe a business trip who knows so uh it's gonna be but normally we share on tuesdays at 11 a.m there's tons of content for you to look at elsewhere um make sure to check out our sermon series make sure to check out uh, culture insanity make sure to check out uh the bible with pastor adam and yeah i'm pastor josh your co-host and senior pastor over at abf and this has been pastor monty the views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the late bible fellowship you are listening